Welcome to the Simply Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. So today's episode is going to be the first of a three-part series. I wanted to focus on uh, toxic money beliefs. Uh, There's 12 that um, we identified. When I say we, I'm going to bring on uh, Lindy Brock, who has worked with me very closely here over the last eight years at Elliott Wealth Management Services. So we identified 12 toxic money beliefs. We're going to do this in a three-part series. This is the first part. So we're going to break it into uh, four toxic money beliefs per episode. And uh, I think this will be a good content for you, the listeners. I think you'll enjoy it. And I would imagine when you think about your beliefs with money, that one or more of these you'll recognize either in yourself spouse, partners, business associates, family, friends. I think this will be valuable. Uh, Lindy, uh, you're on the line with me, right? I'm here. So uh, what do you think about this topic just to kind of kick it off? This was kind of my idea, but what are your thoughts about it? This is a topic that I really like. And I think I agree with you that I think that most people will find this very valuable thinking back when we meet with clients and they seem to present, you know, a host, either a host of problems or they're having one specific issue with their money. It usually boils down to one or more of these toxic beliefs that we're going to discuss. And they don't even know this when they're meeting with us, but they, they present with this problem. And then it's kind of our, job to boil that down to, you know, what, what is the underlying cause of their issue? And these beliefs are mostly ingrained in people passed down from our parents or something that they experienced early in life that had this deep psychological impact on them and really caused them to have really just a not healthy relationship with money. No, I think uh, I think that is well said. So, uh, if it's okay, let's let's jump right in and to the first of the four that we're going to talk about today. Again, being the first part of this three-part series. Uh, so, kick it off with: money is inherently evil or bad. Uh, this comes from an often cited Bible verse. I think it's Timothy in the Bible. Not that I'm a expert in the Bible, but it's something to the effect of for the love of money is root of all kinds of evil. And in my experience, Lindy, that a lot of people take it out of context and they drop the first part of that quote and they say money is the root of all evil or money is the root of all kinds of evil. But it's that love of money, the inappropriate love of money that is key in the passage. And to leave that out does a disservice to the topic. I don't believe money is inherently evil or bad. I think that money, wealth, is a powerful tool that has helped advance mankind. I don't mean to make it some grandiose thing, but I really do believe it. The life we live today in this world, in this country, and in the world, generally speaking, generally speaking, is better than it was in the past, and that's come about in large part by money, which is fueled innovation, better uh, production methods, new technology. 
And uh, before I get to your comment, Lindy, I was at a presentation not too long ago where I heard some economists talk about the markets. And one of the person was, uh, his name was Jim, was uh, kind of macro in his comments, Lindy. And one of the things he said that when he started in his career on Wall Street in 1982, he talked about how that was part of the Reagan revolution and it gave way to the great 1980s and the great 1990s. And it was a period of tremendous economic growth for this country. And it was great that he was in a spot where he could participate and flourish in it personally and professionally. What he talked about though, was in 1982, extreme poverty in the world was at 44%. And he said that today, extreme poverty in the world has been driven down from 1982 until today from 44% to eight and a half percent. Wow. That is impressive. And I know when you read the news, especially these days, it seems like the sky might be falling but when you pull back and you take a look at the arc of history, uh, we live in a better world today, a healthier, wealthier world. And, and some of it, not all of it, is due to money. And this poverty thing really stuck with me. So I don't believe money is inherently evil or bad. So that's kind of my take on it. I know I said a lot there, but uh, what do you think, Lindy? Thinking about money is inherently evil or bad from the other side. So maybe somebody listening to this will say something to the effect of, well, what about gambling or, you know, families fighting over inheritance, you know, and just that, that want of more money just seems, seems bad. But I really think that to the argument of that, those things that I just mentioned are indicators of something else. So, you know, gambling is in having a gambling issue. It might seem on the surface that it is about the money, but it's really just about the risk taking and the families fighting over the inheritance. It's not really the money that they're fighting over. It's really like their, their deep seated love for that person that passed away and maybe even some family arguments between siblings. And then, you know, wanting more money is not a bad thing. As you said, money is a tool. And I think that's the key is to think of it as the tool and as the financing measure of your life goals. So wanting more is not really a bad thing. You just, you want to be able to, to meet your life goals and money is the way to do that. Very good. Also brings us to the next topic is that uh, what are your thoughts on the rich are evil and corrupt? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, especially in today's political climate uh, where the, the uh, rich are, in my opinion, often scapegoated. Not that the rich are not sometimes corrupt and they're certainly not angels, but I think in many instances they're scapegoated. And I think, I think this is still true today. I had seen this statistic a little while ago, I mean, a couple of years ago, Lindy. But uh, I think that the number one category of movie villain was a, a rich corporate type. Yeah. So I don't, buy, I don't buy into that. The rich, and when we're talking about rich, you know, let's 
put some uh, parameters on that because I think mostly when you talk about rich, we're talking about the one-tenth of one percent, the multi-billionaires. You know, you can make the case that somebody that has a million bucks is rich or $5 million is rich or even 10 million. But I think mostly when we're talking about this evil and corrupt, what we're talking about the very, very wealthiest amongst us. Uh, and history shows that these individuals, like any person, they have their good and their bad. We all have our flaws. So you could look at some aspect of what they did or with their personality and make that the only thing you look at and you could judge them harshly. Most of them though, you could point to other instances of generosity, of kindness, of innovation, of making the country, their community, the world a better place. So I don't believe the rich are evil and corrupt on balance. Uh, there are exceptions to that. I do believe in the concept of a rising tide lifts all boats. And these people that become fabulously wealthy, a big part of it, maybe not all of it, a big part of it though, is because they made the world a better place. And if you're not talking about the mega wealthy, you could say somebody in their community, in their town or their state, it would work the same way, that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if they're serving people, if they're helping people, if they're adding to the community around them, that they will be rewarded financially for that. And that makes us all better in the aggregate. And I think when you look at some of today's most wealthiest individuals, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, you know, you look at them as a representation of that class. Uh, you know, Bill Gates got in trouble with the government for uh, monopolistic behavior years ago. Uh, but you think about what computers and what computer computing power has done for the world. And you can make the case that his rich rewards are deserved because of how much he's added to the world. Jeff Bezos with Amazon, who is a very tough business guy. And I've read some books about, you know, some of the bad behavior that the company does in, in stamping out competition. He's not an angel by any stretch of the imagination, but what a visionary business guy who capitalized on technology. And now the ease of doing business through Amazon, having things delivered right to your home quickly, increasing price transparency. You could go on Amazon and you could see the price of everything, the reviews on everything. It's very consumer friendly in that way. Again, I think on balance, the emergence of Amazon as an enormous, powerful company um, has been a net benefit to the country, not without its flaws. And so I don't think he's necessarily evil and corrupt for the most part. And, you know, Musk, just the last one I'll talk about, the work he's doing in electric vehicles and reducing the world's reliance on fossil fuels will have profound impact on our lives and not just our lives, but for future generations. And what he's doing with Starlink and uh, travel to space. I mean, this is stuff that's unbelievably visionary and it takes a special talent
to pull something like that off. He's not without his special qualities. So I, I'm of the school of thought, Lindy, that these are great men uh, and great women. So I, I completely agree with the points that you're making, but I also want to add that I believe most people, when somebody hits a certain, I guess, threshold of wealth, that also comes along with power. And a lot of people associate power with evil and corruption also, but power, I mean, it's the same point to what you were making is that these ultra wealthy are doing a lot with that power and whether it's to, you know, like Elon Musk and with climate change and trying to do better things for the world, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I think that money, and the only point I wanted to make on top of your point was that money exaggerates who you are as a person. And just having more of it creates more of what you actually are. If you are an evil person, yeah, if you have a lot of money, you are probably going to do evil things with that money. But I don't believe that most people are inherently evil. But if you're a very good, generous person and you have a lot of money, that just creates so much good for everybody. I think everybody knows about the the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation and everything they're trying to do with their wealth. And um, I think that there's a lot of other people out there that have a lot of wealth that the media doesn't really represent their true nature and the good things that they're trying to do. They, the media represents what they think people will want to watch. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it's a great, uh, a great discussion. You look at Vladimir Putin in Russia, uh, by some estimates, now this is not um, transparent stuff, uh, he might be the richest person in the world. And I think we could categorize him as evil and corrupt with not a lot of concern over accuracy. I mean, he's a bad dude. So, so there is an element of this that is, is true. And then on the flip side, touching on what you mentioned, America is the wealthiest country in the world by a wide margin. And the philanthropy in this country, Americans give a lot of money to charity in country as well as internationally. And the reality is that philanthropic transfer of money is happening by um, wealthy individuals and middle-class and up individuals. Are the poor also giving and charitable? Yes, especially of their time. But to really move the needle to be able to be as philanthropic as this country is, the wealthy are tremendous, tremendous at giving money away. And it's not just this current generation like Bill and Melinda Gates, uh, but you go back to the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and on and on. A lot of the uh, institutions in this country, like libraries, were built on philanthropic giving of some of the great titans of industry in the past. So it's not clear cut. You know, um, I talked about celebrating some of these individuals, but they're not angels personally and professionally. They play hardball business. And if you're on the wrong side of a business dealing with them, you might feel a little different. But I think the idea that they're rich are evil and corrupt and they make your life worse is um, mostly untrue. Let's talk about the next 
of the ones we're going to talk about. So far, we've covered money is inherently evil or bad. That's a toxic money belief. Another toxic money belief is the idea that the rich are evil and corrupt. Let's talk about the concept that money is scarce. I think, Lindy, that the American dream is intact. That if you work hard, if you play by the rules, you set some goals, and you diligently apply yourself to accomplish those goals uh, that you could achieve success. And oftentimes when we're talking about that, it's about money. It doesn't have to be. It could be about um, sports or relationships or health habits. But in the money arena, I believe that the American dream is intact, that if you work hard, you could achieve financial success Often that means achieving greater financial success than your parents and grandparents. Uh, for some people, they will fall short of that. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I do think though, that for most people, most of the time, uh, it is achievable. And that means that money is not scarce. If you have an abundance mindset, that things are out there for you to achieve, that if you help people, if you serve people, if you deliver value, uh, that you will be rewarded financially for that runs afoul of this idea that there's not money out there for you to be successful or maybe even to um, survive because we wouldn't want anyone to be in abject poverty and not have enough money for food. Uh, that's terrible, heartbreaking especially in a great country like ours. So I don't think money is scarce. You have an abundance mindset and you work hard, play by the rules, deliver value, help people, you will have financial success, I believe. What do you think about this topic, Lindy? Funny that you took the view that you took because I didn't even, when thinking about this, like I didn't even think of those things. I'm thinking more like when we meet with clients, um, some of the older clients that we have met with, some of them lived through the depression. Some of them grew up ex in extreme poverty and have made a good life for themselves. But that has an everlasting effect on them. So some, I guess, looking at this from like a doctor, some symptoms yeah. that yeah, I've yeah. seen are, you know, older people holding on to cash, not wanting to put it in a bank, not trusting banks, not, I'm not saying investing is for everybody, but not investing the funds, not willing to take any kind of risk because they don't want to lose anything because they don't think that anything they can't afford to lose anything yeah. So, because they don't think there's anything there to replace it. So they're overly protective. Overly nervous, overly protective. And that's just not the case. It's been proven. Well, I can't say it's been proven because <laughs> yeah. just look back in history. Yeah, history shows. And history shows that holding on to cash and just, you know, having this huge source of cash is not a good thing because inflation eats away at your money and not keeping up with inflation or outpacing inflation 
dwindles down that money and there's it just doesn't give you it doesn't make the most use of that tool that you have yes no it's it's a great um version of the money is scarce concept i took more of a macro kind of conceptual view of it you bring up a good point though uh we meet with a lot of people that 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 have a nest egg and they and they want to take care of that nest egg I use the term overprotective where they they think that they are protecting it because they think money is scarce, but it does open up to other challenges. So in today's environment, if you get less than 1% in the bank, but we have inflation running at, let's say 7%, that was the number for 2021. And uh, we don't know what 2022 will do, but it's been it's been running hot this year. So if you have money that's growing at let's say one, but the cost of goods, what you could buy with that money is increasing by seven, yes, you are protecting those dollars, but you're losing purchasing power, you're losing buying power, you're losing ground. So it might seem that it's safe, but it's not safe. In the long run, it's not because you're going to lose buying power at too fast a clip, especially. So um, money that is that exaggerate the feeling that they're having that money is scarce because they're seeing that the money that they're holding on to isn't buying as much as it used to. Yes. I think another element of this is the idea that uh, you can't go out and, and make money either through labor or investing wisely. And I don't believe that that is true. I think that's another toxic misbelief. I think that money is not scarce, that you could go out and work for it. You could go out and invest and create more money for yourself while also, again, the grandiose idea of making your community a better place. You know, I think this is a noble pursuit. It could get out of hand, which we'll talk about when we get to some of these other toxic money beliefs. There is too much of a good thing to use that adage. But I don't believe money is scarce. And I, I personally believe, Lindy, that for me, this abundance mindset, uh, because I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I know you did not. And many of our clients, as you asserted earlier, grew up in difficult economic circumstances and they've made good lives for themselves as I have. And I know you have the idea that money is not scarce, that you go out and make it and that you could invest it and be a good steward of it and have it grow is a very, very powerful. And that's why this money is scarce is um, not something that people should hold on to tightly. Agreed. So money is scarce is very similar to the next topic, the next toxic money belief, which is spending money is a moral failing. What are your thoughts on that? So we could go in a couple of different directions with this, but you know, I was thinking about it where I'll use the example, somebody buys a hundred thousand dollar car and then someone will criticize that person as what do you need to spend that money on? Who needs a hundred thousand dollar car or who needs a $2 million vacation home? You, you pick your critical comment. And, and that, that toxic money belief is, is judging other people on how they're using their money. And granted, if the people can't afford those purchases, that's a different issue. But let's assume that the individuals can afford it. 
and that's what they want to do with their money. Um, I don't think spending money on such things, even if they are luxury items or extras, not must-haves like food and heat, I don't believe it's a moral failing. I don't believe it's wasteful. I think it's the great part of having a quality of life, adding to the richness of your life. If, if you're spending money and you are increasing your enjoyment, having that money do something for you uh, that is beneficial for you, I think that that is within the construct of an appropriate work-life, money-life balance, I think is, is perfectly fine. And the thing about that is, is if you go out and buy uh, a yacht that costs, you know, millions of dollars, like some of these super wealthy individuals do, you know, the people that make yachts, they love boats and they love yachts and the craftsmanship, uh, the work that goes into the engines, the finer appointments on the yacht, the people that do that work usually like that kind of work and appreciate what they are doing in creating this beautiful product. And they get paid for doing that up and down the supply chain of creating this end product of a, uh, an amazing yacht. And so I, I think not only is it good for the people that are spending the money, if they get the beneficial enjoyment, the fulfillment of whatever they're spending the money on, either a product or a service, but additionally, the, the other side, the people that are providing that good or service, they oftentimes get value out of doing it, both in their fulfillment of doing something that they like and enjoy and feeling productive, as well as getting a financial reward for it. What are your thoughts? So you kind of took my talking points on that, but it's okay. <laughs> I just want to add that I think spending money is part of just enjoying the fruits of your labor. We spend all of this time working and saving and, you know, that's, it's a lot of work and people sometimes spend their whole lives, you know, putting in all this work towards something. But if you're not working towards something, what's it all worth? So just being able to enjoy the fruits of your labor and being able to enjoy seeing what you're able to finance for yourself is just very fulfilling. And if people are afraid to spend their money, spend their hard-earned fruits, then it just doesn't seem like a very happy life. Great. I, I agree. You have been on a personal journey, like all of us, where you've had uh, increased financial success over the years. And I know in our you know, personal business conversations, you, like me, and like many, many others who are listening to this podcast, are able to buy nicer things, do more expensive things experience-wise. Um, is there a part of you that ever views it as you know, um, gluttony, I think is one of the seven deadly sins. Do you, do you ever feel that pull? Cause I definitely do. Uh, not often, but I, I have felt that pull where there's a certain point where it seems a little inappropriate. Um, what about your experiences with that? I do at times, you know, I, <laughs> 
I look at myself and I'll say, you are such a spoiled brat. Like why, <laughs> why did you even need that? But then in another sense, I think, you know what? I'm, I'm meeting my, my savings goals. I'm meeting my, my other goal, my other financial goals that I have. And I mean, what's the use if I don't enjoy it now? I mean, I could die tomorrow and then have saved all this money and it's what, what's it worth? It's worth nothing. So I might as well just enjoy some of the things as long, like I said, as long as I'm meeting my other financial goals that I'm able to enjoy, really enjoy what I work so hard for. Great. Well, that's a good place to, to leave it, Lindy. Uh, so we talked about just to review money is inherently evil or bad, toxic. Rich are evil and corrupt, toxic. Money is scarce, toxic. And lastly, spending money in a, is a moral failing that's toxic too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Simply Financial Podcast. Please keep an eye out for uh, part two and part three of this three-part series. Uh, they'll be uh, they'll be out soon, so check them out. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, so you uh, won't miss them when they come out. Thanks for listening today. I'll be back with you on the next episode very soon. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through SagePoint Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with SagePoint Financial.